The following content contains adult subject matter, including sensitive material, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Therefore, discretion is advised. Breaking news, you guys, we now have an email, so you're going to write into the show. Please, please, you're going to write into the show at breakingdown at spotify.com. Colbertos. Colbertos. I've inherited Colbertos from the Ali Colbert show into Breaking Down. And now, should I rename you guys? Do we want, do we need to rebrand the fans? I don't know. That's a good question. What has been on my mind has been Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's love, which is so goddamn pure. The way this man reps this woman. It is so inspirational. Him showing up to her concerts, her changing the lyrics to karma for him. Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is the cutest thing I've ever— I I think for so long, and this is—I understand I'm late to the Taylor train, but all aboard, all aboard, dare I say— I, for so long, she has dated these men who have been, like, too... Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh. How so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products. Like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Artsy and too hip to kind of just like stand in the crowd and like scream out her lyrics. And we finally see a man who is so comfortable with himself. He's so secure. He's achieved enough. He is enough that he gets to just celebrate her. And that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing when I see them. That's how I see him loving her and it lights me the fuck up. It just does. I and she's at his games like I I'm obsessed. I really I don't feel this way about that many celebrity couples. But there's they're just it and it's it's frustrating that me saying like that everyone feels this way. Like this isn't a hot take. But it's it's just the right take for once. Like, we've all agreed that this is so right. Like, even, like, the resurfacing of Travis Kelsey's old tweets, just being the most whole—like, we're not canceling Travis Kelsey for old tweets. We're just admiring how wholesome and earnest he is, being like, I'm at Olive Garden with my dad. What up? Breadsticks for days. Like, this golden retriever of a man. There's something so beautiful about it. There's just something so beautiful about it, and I'm living for it, and I'm loving for it. I'm laughing for it. I'm dancing alone for it, all of the basic things. What is it? It's live, laugh, love. Yeah, I'm living, and I'm laughing, and I'm loving. Uh, By the way, I have been watching the Kardashians on Hulu, and I have not—I've always loved the Kardashians. I have not admittedly kept up with them um, in the way that one might have been able to because of the show. But I've been watching this last Hulu season, and I just want to point out a few things. One is that when Kim— flies her son and his friends and their mothers private to go to the soccer game in London and then the soccer game in Paris Saint-Germain and her son, not to drag her son because he's six, cries the entire time that it's the worst day of his life 
because his mother forgot, or I don't know who forgot, to pack his jerk. My jaw dropped to the floor. He's like having a meltdown. And I don't know what it shows you, but I think it's just you lose an appreciation for anything when you have everything. That's why I want to stay kind of small, just so that I can still enjoy a nice meal once in a while. But it's like, oh my God, access to everything ruins everything. Like, where do you, you have no way to calibrate yourself. Like, don't fly your kid private to see soccer and put him on a FaceTime with David Beckham. You're going to blow his fucking neural pathways out with dope. Like, it's done now. There's no up. He's going to have an upper limit problem by the time the kid's seven. By the way, stop pressuring Chloe to get back with Tristan. What is this? He got another woman knocked up while she had a surrogate pregnant with their kid and everyone in the family other than Courtney and Penelope are going, well, why don't you think about taking him back? Why don't you just consider that it might be a good family? Stop it. The woman is choosing herself for once and everyone is shaming her because she won't leave her gated community. Do you know what sort of trauma response she's in? Leave Chloe alone. And today on the show, we have Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson, two uh, incredibly talented artists who started this show that is now a film, Dick's the Musical, at UCB Theater in New York. And if you're at all interested, if you're at all interested in how art is made, no, but this is a a really sort of special journey that two creators put up a show at UCB and then years, you know, almost a decade later, it becomes a film that has this widespread theatrical distribution. And, and it kind of lands in theaters with a really unique and, and um, authentic voice. So I got to chat with them all about it and that journey. I'm not saying you should go start a show at UCB. Please don't. But these guys did. And look what happened. It's not going to happen to you. But look what happened to them. And I love chatting with them. It was really fun. So enjoy the episode. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify for video. You can listen anywhere else. Subscribe. Give us five stars. Leave a, guys, leave a comment. I feel like great improv is that you can't take your eyes off of it, but it's the same thing with horrible improv. Uh, yeah, I can take my eyes off horrible improv very easily. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can take it off good improv even. <laughs> improv is kind of the one thing where like, if you're exceptional at it, the hope is that you graduate and kind of never have to do it again. Yeah, I think it's like fully like, um, it's like your high school band or like a jam band where it's like, oh, come on, let's do it again for fun. And everybody like gets together and fucks around, but it's like not, it's, it's no longer your, your full life, but it right. did, it did need to be your full life at one point for you to, um, <laughs> you can't like half ass improv. Right. You can't <laughs> you have, half ass improv. You, have to so cult you, it. you guys meet at UCB. Yeah. Correct. Like, did you guys date? Is that a rumor? It is a rumor. We did not it's say a rumor. Did one podcast say that? I thought one podcast that I was listening to. Oh, was you like, can't anybody? believe anything you hear online. Oh, okay. Very Don't trust the media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you meet at UCB and like how long after you become friends does this show become kind of an idea that you guys have? We had comedy crushes on each other instantly. We were like, a friend set us up and we did improv and we both were like, you're funny. And then, um, <laughs> and then became friends and then... Um, Hosted this like variety show for a little while. And around that time, we're like, we want to write a musical. We want to write a two-man musical. And so, yeah, it was pretty, pretty early on in our friendship. Yeah. And were you both like 
musical theater nerds or were you just into like absurdist comedy? Like how, where does the music fall in? Hey, get you a girl who can do both. You know what I mean? (laughs) Not a binary. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I, uh, very tragically, I feel like I'm doing a lot of confessions. I'm talking about improv and then I was a musical theater major, a musical theater major in college. So I have a deep, I have deep shame in my past. Yeah. (laughs) And in in third grade, I was in... um, Oliver and a Christmas pageant ever and Peter Pan. So, you know, All I have three? a similar shame in the in same th- year. Yeah. That's it, all, and is that, that was my come out? <laughs> yeah. No. Can you believe in um rural North Carolina I didn't come out at the age of eight? But um <laughs> that was no, before I, child labor laws. So you could yeah, do was, all those shows. <laughs> you're so you're from North Carolina and where are you from, Aaron? Texas. Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, Southern gentlemen. When do you come when do you come out? I came out in college. You came out in college? When did yes, you come out? Similar. Really? With mm-hmm. and how were your parents with it? Mine were good about it. Yeah. They were? Oh. How were so, how were your parents when you came so out? Were, they were good about it, I guess. <laughs> I think I like self-generated a lot of hatred. Oh yeah, I did that too. Did still you? Do. <laughs> no, I do all the time. I like still. I'm like maybe I could be. You got to keep the lights on. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, somehow, exactly. Can't I hurt mean, self hate now and again. Was it? Did you feel like? Were you ever depressed? I don't know why I'm going into. Th- I guess I just like to talk about being gay. Can we just go into that and then we'll go back to Dick's the musical? Right, of course. Was it? Was it like? Were you like sad about it growing up, or you're totally fine and well adjusted about it? Not totally fine and well adjusted, but it was, I was so closeted that it was not even something that was like omnipresent. However, yeah, I was like often like um, making little deals with myself and, you know, first period, whatever biology being like, you're not gay. Uh, (laughs) I for sure thought it wouldn't stick. I for sure thought if I prayed hard enough, it would not stick. You know, you were praying about it. Absolutely. That's how that's how you enact change. Don't you understand? <laughs> Pray the gay away. Oh, my God. What's um, the deal you're making in biology, Aaron? You're just like, if I could just get through this. It's one of the yeah, it's hard, it's hard to even remember because you're young. And then also your your mind is broken. But um, yeah, I don't even remember like the exact deals. But it's like, if I like can just be attracted to women or whatever. You, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's weird things going on in your head. I don't know. Right. You also often I, this, I, oh, I yeah. would often, when I would be like masturbate, I would like think about men and then be like, but when I was ejaculating, it was like, well, then you think about a woman and that's not gay. I've it, literally <laughs> done that in the reverse. <laughs> it, but you're also always like, I'll find, there's probably this one woman who's going to do it. It's like, yes. I actually don't have to be attracted to women broadly. I'll just find yeah, this one right. There's this one out there I haven't met that's going to really get my engines going. And then we're going to be married and have a thousand kids and I'll be a youth pastor. You I know? kept going. to. I was like, it's not that I'm a lesbian. It's that I just have not met the singular man that will kind right. of jumpstart this broken right. car. I did a and lot that's of not, that. That's not even like a crazy way to think because like, no. as a gay person, it's like there's a lot of gay people that I really don't want to have sex well, with. And, and also as a gay person there's a lot of women i frankly revere and adore you know well, so, of course, of course. Yeah. So, i mean you kept being like i'll find my one yeah totally and also it's funny like the narrative around sex for straight women is always like oh men don't know what they're doing it's not that good mm-hmm. so i would hook oh, up with yeah. dude, and all the straight girls were like no we hate it too yeah 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 oh yeah 
oh, I guess this is what it's like. You're like, oh, we're all lesbians. We're all lesbians here. No one likes having sex with men. Straight women are always (laughs) talking about how they hate having sex with men. They are. And and how they hate the penis. They hate the penis. It's gross. Yeah. It's disgusting. And then (laughs) all my gay guy friends, they talk about their, did you, so did you guys have girlfriends? At some I had, point, at a certain I point. had girlfriends in high school, but not in college. But in high yeah, school. my like best gay friend is always talking about how like he he was like, it felt good anyway. He's like, I still liked having sex with my girlfriend. It felt awesome. Like I was just talking to Zach Noe Towers about this. It was he was like, oh, it felt like sticking my dick in an apple pie. He's like, now I just stick it in a cat's mouth. <laughs> That's beautiful. Zach. He's a terrorist. That's beautiful. Lock, lock that person up. That's lock gorgeous up. poetry, I think. <laughs> How do you so okay? So you guys meet at UCB uh-huh. and you have a creative crush on each other, which mm-hmm. is also probably another reason why I thought I was straight for a minute, is because I would like meet a guy that like I had a creative crush on, which is yeah, that it can parts. be confusing. Or someone who's like amazing at stand up. I was like, okay, I think mm-hmm. I'm wet. But then I was like, no, you just think his jokes are funny. Musicians are the worst. You can get you can get really attracted to someone who can sing well. And well, then you're a like, musician oh, is <laughs> its own it sexuality. Me. It's like, is he yeah. gay? It's like, well, he's musician, so that's like its <laughs> own sort of umbrella. They're I know kind of- it's so alluring. Like a guy who can sing. I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's just attractive. I, I'm always saying this on the show. I'm like. I feel like I'm curious if you guys agree that like comedian, like I would rather be a musician. Like if I could just sing beautifully and like play an instrument amazingly and people would come and listen to me for that, like I could throw away the comedy. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm a comedian because I like music more than comedy. So I'll never be good enough to do it. Truly. I'm just (laughs) like, I'm like, I can't really replicate the thing I like, but you know, comedy, I can basically do what I like. Yes, exactly. But you guys can sing. So what are you doing? I know you're right. Um, I, Start a band. Start a band. I think like musical theater singing is um is a different. Yeah, it's less no, attractive. Less attractive <laughs> than, than rock and roll singing. Yeah, that's yeah. how you serenade someone just with yeah. like, a song from Pippin. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, I I wish I could like it, when I'm on shows with a comedian that will break out like a guitar or an instrument, even mm-hmm. if their act is worse. I'm like, well, you steal the show just because music is just yeah. generally better than comedy. Like, well, I you're like that. at least you have a talent. Because, right. you know, right. lot, I know a lot of fabulous comedians. I'm like, well, you don't have a talent, actually. <laughs> right. What do you yeah, do like, if you stop doing comedy? If you spent like 10 years doing comedy, you just like acquired this skill set that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's rough. It's like because music and like dance go full. Like that's like caveman. That's like troglodyte shit where you're, yes. you're like that goes in here. Yeah. And I guess comedy is what, what, like the storyteller? Would that be the like caveman version of it? But right. it's not the same. Is no, that like... <laughs> not the same at all. I mean... Nobody wants to like make out while you're like doing your jokes. Whereas like <laughs> and sing or singing, people are like, I gotta make out. Like, that's a different. That's different. <laughs> I'm amazed when people take dates to comedy shows. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah. I I did a show the other day uh, and I regretted it because it's a venue that always like blasts their shows on some listserv that's basically like, here's a hot date night for under $20. Right. So the room is always people on like a second date and it's yeah. like the most weird dead room. And again, you're like, why would you ever do this on a date? Yeah. Why ever? It's, it's so people bad. who like never have been to a comedy show and then also are like, well, I got to pick what I laugh at because I'm next to a person yes, who I want to put my cock into. Yeah, right. you're, 
it's very, yeah, you can't, you can't laugh at what you would really laugh at. It's like, if they don't think it's funny and then you laugh, you're lame. Yeah. It's not yeah, a good. I, I actually even haven't even thought about that, but I would be really self-conscious. I think I did go, a straight guy took me to a comedy show once like 15 years ago, but yeah, I would be yeah. really self-conscious of like what I was laughing at. And also like, you have to be told, you have to have your guard down to actually like access your humor and like your people, people's humor is mostly fucking weird. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, very, specific. it's, yeah, it's very invulnerable to share yes. what you find funny. Yeah. Don't take him to a comedy show. Take him to a movie like Dick's the Musical, a broad <laughs> four quadrant comedy that the whole country has agreed upon and rallied. And there's behind. music. You can and there's music. And during the summer of Barbie, the summer of the Eras tour, we have Dick's the Musical. <laughs> Seeing Dick's the Musical in theaters, I was just like, how on earth did this get made in the best? Yeah, way? we have the same question actually. How <laughs> did this get made? Like the amount of things you have to, the amount of people that are you have to get to be like this is it and it's fucking hilarious it's just having dealt with that process even a little bit i'm like how no. the fuck did you do this how the fuck did you get this in theaters <laughs> yeah I, yeah same I, I, I can't wait till you have the guest on that can answer that it, i want to know it is like it's so good it's so wild it's unhinged so this is a a really popular ucb show and now i'm imagining everyone at ucb is like we're gonna do the dicks thing we're gonna make no, a lot of people are learning oh the wrong God. lesson they're right you write it to me musical and you have a movie in 10 years that's the pipeline yeah, yeah. The also Gut pipeline. gutenberg the musical is on broadway and that right now and that also started as ucb show so it really is a like moment. oppenheimer it was <laughs> a UCB musical. yeah that's oppenheimer. a joke we were doing in press a lot we were like this is the normal development pipeline you know kramer and kramer started at ucb here yeah as, as a, a two-man show under a, in the basement of a grocery store in chelsea yeah, yeah. How do you um, guys? How do you guys come up with? I mean, originally called fucking identical twins. Uh -huh. How do you? What is the you know the creative inspiration behind that? It's kind of boring. We did want to do a two person musical, and then we didn't know. You know, we wanted it to be narrative, not just like a sketch show. Um, so we were trying to think, and then we can't even remember who. But one of us came up with the idea that was like, oh, you know, if you do the parent trap. The twins have scenes, but then each twin just has a scene with a parent. So it's like I could be a twin and then play one of the parents, and you could be a twin and play one of the parents. Um, and then it's just it's just easy. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of two person scenes. Uh -huh. So that it didn't come out of any. I mean, I do love the parent trap, but it didn't come out of any like great like I've been dying to no. uh, like play with play with like, this idea. Like most great art, it came out of logistics. You mm. understand? Right, right. But um, to your point of how it got made, I do think then we like did it for a while. Also, people keep asking, like, were you doing it thinking it would be a movie? And we're like, fuck, no. We were, like, yeah. doing it for ourselves in a basement. We hoped we'd maybe get a general meeting with Comedy Central to do, like, an under five. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. there was, like, it was, like, very low stakes. And so when it became a weird little hit, I think you always had that proof of concept. Because it's a film that it's, like, you can't really pitch the movie. But people saw the stage show and then were like, oh, we should adapt it into a feature script. And then they read the script and they're like, you know, but there's never a moment that we were like, here's the pitch, because I think it would have been like dead on arrival. It always right. had this like sort of electric little live show that people could go like, OK, there's something there. Let's figure out how to make it a movie. So, OK, so it, people start really taking to it and coming and people are coming to the show and then saying you should make this a movie. Is that what's happening or? Profoundly no. One one particular <laughs> only producer. one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah person was coming. One yeah. person comes and says this should be a movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and then and we and were like, we're funny like, story. It's so. based on a movie. Yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, so it's just one person that's saying that, and then you guys are like, well, okay. And I, then she I'm brought her boss, and her boss came, and they watched it. So we didn't really like, even though we had to pitch the boss. 
it was more like pitch me on how it's a full movie not because it's she's like i understand it right um i saw it so then you're just sort of like here's how we see it growing and then they're like okay great and then you get paid we got paid by fox to write it and then fox was like we can never make this movie and we we're like of course you can't and then it found a24 who are weirder and they let us make the movie <laughs> this is i mean this is a24's first musical right yeah yeah we would also say their first, like, we would say, I don't know that they would say, but their first, like, hard comedy. Not like, you know, like, Lady Bird's a comedy, but like, right. it's a dramedy. You know, like, there's, yeah, her, Laurie Metcalf's crying, you know, and yeah. ours, it's just, like, jokes. This is yeah. closer to Dumb and Dumber than Lady Bird. You know right, what I mean? It right. is just, like, a bunch of jokes. Yeah, I mean, the characterization of comedy is, isn't like the bear considered like a comedy? Oh my God. I, that TV is so weird because if it's 30 minutes, they're like comedy, but you're like, the bear has one joke an episode and then it's I just know. like Seasons. devastating. <laughs> yeah, one joke yeah. I yeah. love the bear. It's just like, this is not, I'm not like slapping my knee during this. I know. No. I'm thinking but, about the human condition. Yeah. Seri- I, by the way, it's like amazing. Even you saying like someone came and then they brought their boss and then they were like, we should do this. It's kind of like, amazing to hear like when the industry like works yeah. yeah like people I mean, again, coming and telling someone else and like takes then it forever happens. and is a beautiful disaster like getting a yeah. movie made is such a beautiful disaster but to, to give, even get like i think like a very like you know broad you know general audience thing is like difficult to get made because it's just so impossible so yeah we we feel the same way where it's like it's remarkable this little thing got made and that it sort of kept its core and then the other part of it is like yes we're talking about the business side but then the creative side was just like at every stage, just like really incredible collaborators came on. So it's like once it got to A24, like Larry Charles signed on a direct and he's like so incredible and was very protective of the vision. And then it was like, you know, a year and a half later, like Nathan Lane and Mulally and all these people signed on. So I think that also kept it like moving. And Marius DeVries, who's this like yes. legendary music producer, is the music producer on the movie. And he he signed on pretty early. But like, you know, you have these people that are... Huge It's just like, it keeps legitimizing it in a way that they're like, I guess we're making this. Well, also, actually, one of our producers told us in this process, we were like, so when are we like greenlit, greenlit? And she was, she, the one who came to see it, Corey Adelson, she's amazing. She was like, actually, a movie is like never officially greenlit. It's just they they spend too much money at a certain point that they do in fact have to make it now because it's like they've spent That's too amazing. much. And you just it like turns keep out hiring people. True. It's just like more people are on the payroll and suddenly it's like, oh, now we've built sets. Oh no, we have to make it. You, we know? Have to you spend just like all threaten the money. yourself eventually. Yeah. That's so like, yeah, part of that is like the business of like the more those people are attached, the more likely the movie gets made. But then I think to your point too, like all of those people signed on because they were like, I like this crazy little vision. So then yeah. I think- the bigger the village got, the more people were like, I guess we should just go with this and not try to like change it and neuter it too much. You know, because right. people were people were signing on being like, this is fucking crazy. I want to do it. You know, right. Mm-hmm. And this process is, te- did you say 10 years? Uh, that's we, like, yeah. B- go ahead, lightly fibbing. We did it in 2014 is when we started doing the stage show. And so then started it, writing it in 2013, I think, right? And, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then 2016 is when we sold the screenplay. Or like got like take options, yeah, to Fox. Yeah. And so like movie was from 2016, but the like conceptually it's 2014 and really 2013 even because we, we took a long time writing it. So is I mean I get the momentum when you like get these big people attached, but is there a point during that when you're like this is just not going to happen? 
many points. I mean, da- for daily. a long time, I just <laughs> thought, right. for a long time, I thought it was like, okay, this is just a part-time gig where every year I sort of chip away at this thing. I do a rewrite and it's never going to get made. It's just like this weird little thing, you know? I think yeah. truly Aaron and I have said that like, it wasn't until we like really got to set even after all these people were attached and we knew yeah. we had dates, it wasn't until I like, got to set and saw like 150 people, like crew guys walking around and like hammers and nails that we were like, I guess this is happening. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and is it true that you DM'd Mag- Megan the Stallion to do that? Oh God, no. I, I, I We don't follow each other on Instagram and, and so we everything should. I or I should say, I follow her. I follow her. Okay, so the, she reads the script and says yes to it? Yeah, and a lot, yeah. of, a lot of her team too. So that again, Corey, we keep we keep name dropping Corey. Corey. She's good. She, um, she, Churn and Entertainment, what, that Corey works for, they were yeah. like very instrumental in getting Megan the Stallion. They okay, were very, they, they were very dogged. Um, but yeah, I think she, she, her team dug it and then she dug it and then here we are. I mean, <laughs> the, every, like Megan Mullally, Nathan, I, yeah. how is working with Megan? I'm obsessed. Oh, we Amazing. love her. So She's funny. So, that voice. The voice is insane. It's like so good. And, and we, we wanted her so badly uh, cause we really wanted like people that are, that could actually sing, not like movie sing, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, good, good for them. Um, and and Nathan and Megan can sing. <laughs> yeah, aren't they so brave? Yeah. Um, they're they're <laughs> such good singers. And then the movie is so weird. It's like they need to be funny, but like a particular type of funny. And I think the like poster child of that type of funny is Megan Mullally. Like she will just fucking go for it. She is so down to clown. Um, She's so wild. And her part is so insane because like the dad part is insane too. But like is like has a foot in reality and Megan mm-hmm. is just like I'm an alien you know <laughs> like and, and yeah. she's, she just nailed that having I think sex so with her wonderful. blue boot yeah <laughs> in the the period of like this long stretch of development like how much of it are you changing and how much of it stays the same it is a fox movie was a lot like bigger because we were thinking like oh it should be big and crazy for it to be a fox movie but that train really never got out of the station so when that script existed and we were like with Larry and at A24, Larry was big on like sort of stripping down the story because he wanted it to feel like the stage show, which is very much like a runaway train. Mm -hmm. So then I feel like the story became smaller and it was much more about like, let's make it about the family. And then the only things that really changed were like lots of stuff that you'd like do in a stage show. You'd be like, well, this doesn't translate to a movie, but there wasn't, there wasn't much like, oh, we can't get away with that. That's too outrageous. In fact, the opposite. Larry was always like, if this movie holds back for one second, the audience will sniff it out. So like he was a always dog. big on being like, like a dog. push it. And not just in the outrageous direction, like push it in every direction. Like, of course, I feel like we talk a lot about the things that are like outrageous or offensive. But as much of the movie that is offensive, a lot of it is like just like stupid or absurdist or physical or cartoony or crazy. So I think he was just big about like, Let's like blow it out in every direction, mm-hmm. but then, but then sometimes make sure it's just like cohesive as a movie and that the pacing feels right. But there wasn't stuff that was like, we can't do that, you know? Right, right. And how much of the, how much improvising do you get to do on set? It's um, so like the, the songs are obviously very locked. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not really improvising during that. It just really depended because we, we, we shot the whole movie in 20 days, which is very Whoa. fast and especially for a musical. Um, but like, for example, M- Megan Mullally is like an incredible improviser. So she did a ton of improvising. Josh and I did come up in that world. So we would do like, you know, it's more just like 
because so much of it is like punchline setup, joke, 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 that you can't really like improvise during that. But it's more like in the reactions. Like there are times where it's just loose. Of course, buttoning any scene is all like, so that's always improvised. Mm-hmm. Megan Thee Stallion's a really good improviser. She would improvise a lot. Um, so yeah, it, there was it- a, there was a lot of improv, but we also like had, to, it's like, it was usually like a clean take. And then it's like, okay, now you can fuck around some, but it's still like, you know, we need to get this. <laughs> also, yeah. luckily, everybody was such pros with like Nathan and some of those folks that like you'd come in and everybody would like in one take, you'd nail all the lines. Like it was rare yeah, that you, yeah. you didn't no get it in one lines. take. And so then you'd usually have the room to be like, even though like truly, like I think most scenes we shot in about two takes with a few exceptions, it was like you usually could do one clean take and then another where you didn't fully improvise, but it came from the stage show too. Aaron and I like to fuck with each other. So you'd never like drop lines and you'd never change them, but right. you'd like riff on them or you'd like deliver it in a way to try to get the other person to break. Or you'd like, you'd like tag something or you'd call out something. So like there was some of that energy that was like, do one where you're sort of allowed to, you know, like expand mm-hmm. on the ideas that are there and not fully change them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And is it the same? I mean, was it the same music as the UCB show? Were the songs the same? Some of the songs are the exact same. And then some, like, to get too into the weeds, like, in the stage show, because the stage show is only 30 minutes. So in the stage show, the first song, like, Josh and I meet and re- and are, like, rivals and realize we're twins all in one song. So mm-hmm. in the movie, it's like, okay, let's have them just be rivals for a full song. And then another song where they discover that they're twins. You know, you, like, break... So it's, like, those ideas were both in one song, but we made two songs out of it. But then, like... Nathan's song, Megan's song. I mean, we changed them for the movie, but like those were in, that was in the movie. Like the finale was in, I mean, that was in the stage show. The finale was in the stage show. The Megan Thee Stallion song, of course, was in the stage (laughs) show, but she she called out every night at UCB. She She never appeared. So so we never actually got to do it until the film, but that of course was present. So you're originally writing the music to that or someone else helping you with that? We had someone named Carl St. Lucie, our friend, wrote the Brilliant music. composer. Yeah, but we wrote the lyrics. Yeah. And sometimes we would, like, come up with a hook. Like, usually it was, like, a like a line of the chorus. Like, of uh-huh. the, of the, like a lot of those stayed, and those are our hooks. But even, like, the rest of the chorus, you know, it truly would be, like, well, the hook. And then and then Carl would be, like, okay, great, great, great. Um, and here's a song. <laughs> and then like, also that's, like, just how collaboration works in that context. Because okay. also sometimes Carl would be, like, okay, you're... Your lyric, you should maybe change this word so it fits better. You're like, yes, like you're even though like one person's writing music and one's yeah, writing yeah, lyrics, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. sometimes like stepping in the other person's world to like make the song work, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Does does this make you want to like write another musical film? Or you're like, no, I just want to do I just want to do straight comedy. We love writing music, but I think yeah. we will do another well, unless someone's got a check yeah, for yeah, us. Yeah. It is just so hard. Like, because writing is, you know, like you're flying and then you get to lyrics and you're like, well, fuck, I got to think of a rhyme. And it like really throws the brakes on things. So uh-huh. yeah. I think life is long and we will another day. But like our next like one or two projects that we have like queued up have a lot of music in them, but are not like a strict musical, you know. Right. But I feel like we're always going to want to have music in our ship because we is, like music we like music and it is so fun but yeah writing a musical is like impossible truly it's just like and just like even the rhyme but you just like you're you're getting to this scene and then you're like you have to just be like okay is this song a ballad or you know yeah like yeah and then it's like 
how does it like scan? You have to invent like the rules of that song. And then it's like, okay, now we need like, and then it's a comedy. So it's like, and we need jokes. Like, right. It's, it's a whole it's just, other mechanism. Yeah. Like sometimes joke. when you're writing a scene, you can, even if it's like a shitty version of a scene, you can sort of like be like, let's just get all these ideas down and see how they work and then we'll clean it up. But with lyrics, it's really hard to do that because yeah. you, have, you have so many constraints on what you need in the first place that just like that first step is hard. You, you spend like a full hour just being like, what if it was like dead? Uh, you know, like right. a little like this. Yeah. And then finally one of you has eight syllables that scan and you're like, I know what it is. We're committed. <laughs> I, you know, I really love like the relentlessness of the jokes in the movie. Oh, like, thank you. It just, that was very feel, important to us. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, Go ahead. No, no, no. It's just like, it's so nice to see a comedy that like wakes you up. You know, like <laughs> I, as a comedian, like sometimes I feel like I numb out to comedies. Like I'll just. Uh, us too. I don't even laugh mm -hmm. or, and like, I'm, I think I'm just not ever surprised. That's Dang, the big thing I was my... about to say. Like we just miss comedies that would like. Well, one that make you laugh because so many live in like the dramedy space now. And I like a lot of them, but I just miss some of those hard joke comedies. And then also that yeah. surprise you, which is why like why we wanted jokes that push in every direction, because it's like if you don't like this joke, there's probably another one four seconds later that maybe you like, you know, right. and, and and just like I like a movie that I don't see where it's going, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't even have to like it. I just love movies where no, I'm like, I, this fucking surprised me. Like it didn't work for me, but go off. You did the thing, you know? Yeah. Are you, you must be, you must have some jokes in that film that you're like, I've done this joke now, like 15 times, like, like over the last 10 years, like I know this joke so know, yeah. well, this joke has survived. Well, those are the ones yes, you know yes. are funny. You're like, I can't believe this makes me laugh. Like one that still makes us laugh 10 years later is when, Nathan and Megan are meeting at dinner and and it's their big reunion. And he's like, how long has it been? And she goes, 260 years. years. And he goes, 260 years since we last saw each other. And she goes, oh, I, oh, I, I thought, thought you, you were talking about the French and Indian War. <laughs> um, and that got cut one time just for time. And we like really late in, in the edit, like tr truly one of the last edits. And we had to tell Larry, like, could you please put that one back in? That has been since the beginning. Like, and we love that one. And then he put it back in and it always gets a laugh. Yeah. I, is it like when you watch the film for the first time, is it what you imagined? Weirdly, yes. We talk about yeah. how that there were a lot, you have, you know, in a movie, and I don't even mean this as a negative term, that like that we had to make a lot of compromises, but we mm -hmm. never had to make, like sacrifices. Right. So it really does feel like what, how we wanted it to feel and what we wanted it to feel like, which I also think is very rare. I mean, this is our first movie, so we don't have a lot of experience in that department, but I, I, it's just very, I think that I have so many friends that work in the industry as do we all, that it's just like, Oh, it kind of got away from them and they're proud that they made it, but it's just like, this isn't what I envisioned, but like, I'm so excited. And this part's better than I thought, but that, you know, it's like, it's not what they wanted. And this is what we wanted, which is just like so cool. And you, you gotta, never hear that. Yeah. And because <laughs> making a movie is so collaborative. Like people don't yeah. really honor that how much it is like a full like team collaboration. And e even if it's like a exacting director's vision, there's still so much collaboration. And so 
if your collaborators aren't working well together at some point, some people are just going to have to be like, well, I guess I lost this, you know? Yeah. And it right. did feel like none, no one involved felt like they lost anything, that we all just like found a way to make it work for everybody. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you hear people, especially when it's in development for a long time, or it has such a long fuse of just like, mm-hmm. this has changed so much. And like, I don't even ra- like, I, I know the intention, but like, you know, you hear people being like, I'm proud of it. And I, I went out there, but you're like, no, this is exactly what I wanted, which is amazing, especially considering how like unique it is. That everyone yeah. like got on board and was like, no, we get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We were very lucky. <laughs> you know, are you guys still like in the like improv? Like, are you out there doing improv? No, we there's a um, <clears throat> there's a group of like our friends that are gay guys. Um, uh-huh. And like every whatever, I don't know, like twice a year or something. We'll like just sell the whole, you know, like get up <laughs> there new show. Yeah. But now it's like everybody lives all over. So it's hard. Um, but no, we're not um consistently doing improv though it is is yeah more writing and acting I don't know who's which one of you said this but I was listening to you guys talk about um aging dry versus aging wet this is a George Severus (laughs) George George Severus from Gawker it's someone else's actual theory what what, what were you guys saying because it really like delighted me I I still don't understand it I even read I read the article it's like it both can be bad or both can be good because okay. it, it seems like wet is bad. And it also seems like wet means like fat and dry means skinny, but that's not oh, true. Okay. <clears throat> it's like dry, dry can mean you're like a, like a withered old, like skeleton crone. That would be like the bad version and skeleton right. that means skinny, but just, it just means like, you know, like, like papery and dusty and like maybe more of like a mummy. Yeah. And then wet is more. <laughs> I love making you I'm like. How was it growing up closeted? Tell me about aging drivers as well. <laughs> yeah. Good and we are—we're not even disciples of this theory. We're I was just... going to say I can't even. I'm glad Aaron's doing this. Right, I don't. Checking out I can't it. even I try to. I explain thought it this was one you. of your theories. No, no it's, it's George. And someone from Gawker for a while. Yeah, yeah. George it. was explaining to us, and I would say most of that 10 minute segment was me going, "I don't understand what the give fuck an example. Give an example. Give an example." You on another podcast telling people you don't know what this means yeah exactly yeah yeah that's what i really wanted (laughs) i feel very lucille bluth um i don't understand the question and i refuse to answer i (laughs) right yeah okay plate or platter (laughs) didn't didn't you have a boyfriend make a cameo yes we both both did josh's actually speaks (laughs) yeah my law my partner of almost 10 years is the mailman that you see in the beginning and then um and then about two-thirds the way through and then we also snuck in aaron's husband as well that was not planned day of your husband in the film it's uh you really you know you gotta know there's a there early on in the movie josh and i both come into an office lobby and at that office lobby there is Uh a kiosk selling coffee and he is the coffee salesman back left when you rewatch back left corner a left corner. Oh, you know, he um he didn't he didn't care. But he I would he, say he, he, he didn't a give a single shit. But we uh, met in theater school, so he used to be a performer, but very quickly was like, I'm over it. Um and um happily is not a performer. Yeah. Not, in no way a frustrated um yeah. frustrated actor making it work in the real world. He but then he was gosh. on set that day and our wonderful costume designer who yeah, loves Val. to live outside of her lane was like, <laughs> he should be in it. <laughs> she was like, like, Why oh, is he not in it? That's and not our like, decision. Oh, I she's like, yeah, I'm going to talk would... to Larry. She came back. She was like, Larry says he's in it. I'm going to put him in it. <laughs> oh my God. I love, okay. This is another thing that I'm wondering if this was just bullshit <clears throat> on a podcast that you guys had the same extras. Yeah. That it was like, cause we really wanted it to feel like, 
a musical on Broadway where it's uh-huh. like the ensemble is like, they're at the office. Now they're at the restaurant. Now they're the waiters, you know, now, now they're at the wedding. Like, so we really wanted that. And so we had a dance ensemble, but you know, they cost more money. So they were only in the scenes that there was dancing. Right. But we were like, I still think it would be fun if it felt like that. So not every extra is not every background actor is in every scene, but it is the same group of background actors throughout the movie. And that it is really fun to see them yeah, you all see like the same faces, different hats and like, they're truly That's like so fun. I, but yeah, again, I to your that. point of um collaboration or also sometimes just like necessity being the inspiration. It was like, that was a creative choice where like, it would be fun to have like an ensemble and you see the same faces, but also we shot this in the height of Omicron. So right. the line producer was like, Oh, if we can have the same extras every day, that would be fabulous. Like it's right. less testing. It's more, you know, it's like, okay, great. Let's do it. Everybody's happy. Yeah. yeah. And does. some of them deserve whatever the, whatever the background acting Oscars are, several of them deserve one. There's some that I love. (laughs) It does create like an amazing, like live theater performance. Mm -hmm. Just the whole tone of it. It, Like it, it's amazing to be in the movie, but also feel like you're watching like a live show. Like it just is exciting in that way. Which is big, Larry. That was like his big thing coming in was like, I want to preserve the like DNA of the stage show and have it feel like live and dangerous and have it feel like you're sitting in the room being like, am I the first person to ever watch this? And are Mm -hmm. they, they're building the plane as they fly it. And it's like, you know, you know, I think he wanted that energy. And so there's lots of decisions that factored into that, but that was one of them. Cause it is so, you don't see that in movies where it's like, what if your background was ensemble? Right, <laughs> that right, is right. strictly a theater thing. And Larry, he was, he did Borat, right? Correct. Borat. Yeah. And he's one of the original Seinfeld writers and Whoa. he did a lot of curb, um, directing curb. And he reads the script and he's just like, I fucking love this. Let's go. Yeah. He, he was like our full champion captain cheerleader he 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 loved it that's amazing yeah he was he's the best all of these people who are reading it and are just getting so excited about it like that would just thrill me so much as an artist to just be like i love all these people and they like really want to be a part of it and get it i know that was the crazy like with him him and with um mari like marius also not only has he done like la la land and moulin rouge and all worked on all these insane in movies, but he also like produced the um some of Bjork's albums and some of Rufus Wainwright we albums. Obsessed and with Josh like, and I like love like truly that like, is mother and father. They raised me as truly, a kid. Truly, right, 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 right. so like that was crazy. And having him be like, I love the music and I love this. That's like so um validating. And then when you get like Nathan and Megan, you know, it's just like oh my god, like these people that I have truly worshipped yeah uh, like this is funny it's like quick, <laughs> quick story about marius um because he was truly one of the first people to meet us like he read it in 2016 with us when it was at fox and yeah. the, we weren't even hiring people but he just was like i want to meet with these guys basically to tell them like if this ever gets made have me on it yeah. so we met at a blue bottle coffee and we were just chatting we were getting along again he told us we love the movie and then we just asked questions about bjork for a half hour and then he was like excuse me i'll have to go to the restroom and then he goes and he comes back and he goes I'm going to have to leave. I've suddenly gotten sick and vomited everywhere and left. And it felt like the perfect omen oh for this project. But it's God. like, we all got like, along and then you started puking. And then it was <laughs> like, that is this movie. That you're is like talking movie. to your agents. It's like, how'd it go? It's like, I think good. He did vomit and leave. <laughs> I, I think it went good. That is, that's really gross and fitting. <laughs> I know. And then seven yeah. years later, we were like, are you still available to work on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm in, baby. Hey, how are you feeling? So, yeah, 
got tapped did out? a lot of these people come to like come with you to a24 so they had been attached at fox there was oh, so it truly never got marius. on the station at yeah, yeah. And, and marius wasn't even attached so yeah, like, yeah 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 we were not at that phase it was just in script i think he just threw a some connection reddit and wanted to meet us to say basically call dibs it'd be like think, if you ever are please consider me i think churn yeah. in because um churn in did greatest showmen. So I think that they approached him and that, I got, think it, got it, got it, got it. But he was not even attached then. It was very much oh. just to like, hey, whenever you do need a music supervisor, executive music would, producer. Yeah. 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 And now Dix is out. I mean, it's in theaters. I saw it in LA and New York, but is it out everywhere nationwide? It's mm-hmm. out everywhere. And I don't know when this podcast comes out, but it'll be available to like, oh, Slay. Well, then it'll, it's also now available for you to purchase and watch at home. But oh. it still is in some theaters. You should mm-hmm. look. You know, because it's like it's moved on to like, I mean, we're like six weeks into theaters. So now it's moved into all the weird like indie houses, you know, uh-huh. it's yeah. like less. I think we got elbowed out of the AMCs by Taylor and Martin Scorsese. So it's in like <laughs> weird indie houses still. And then now yeah. you can um you can own it for your home. Okay, viewing. So exciting. Thank yeah. you guys so much for doing the show and go see Dick's the musical. It was really, really enjoyable. I really love chatting with you guys also. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Nice meeting you. <laughs>